Thanks for listening to Adopted Believers. I'm your host, Daniel Nelson, and today in our study of Matthew 9.13, we're going to be seeing mercy, not sacrifice. So today's readings are coming from the New International Version, and I encourage you to follow along as we study. So, diving into this, I want us to look at two Christians, Christian A and Christian B. So, I want you to kind of compare them and see who you think is a better Christian, okay? We got Christian A. Christian A has four hours of published content, and he has converted success. He has successfully converted to Christ zero people. Christian B has published 42 hours of content, and he has converted one person. Who do you think was a better Christian? So you're probably leaning towards Christian B. Now, hopefully you're like, this is not a lot of information, you know. But just looking at this, you might say Christian B. So now I will do a little bit of a reveal to you. Christian A was the prophet Isaiah. And Christian B was none other than yours truly, Daniel Nelson. So now, hopefully, you're changing your pick. Because I promise you, while I try to be godly, I am not as godly as the prophet Isaiah. I do not claim to be. And hopefully you agree with me. And if you don't, you've probably not read the book of Isaiah. (laughs) But this is a little bit of a silly example. But sometimes we do this, where we judge our hands rather than our heart. Where we judge output, but not the source. So let's look at Matthew 9, 13. We see Jesus say, But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. So, in this passage, we are seeing that we are to judge ourselves by the heart not by the hands. And this is a blessing and a curse. So let's look at how this is a blessing. Often we get discouraged when we don't see big things happening. Okay, if we don't have, you know, big things happening, like giving devotionals or speaking in public or successfully leading someone to Christ, we can get discouraged. Comparison can start to set in. When we look at other people and how, you know, they've gotten more chance to speak in front of people or they've gotten to lead more Bible studies than us or they've been able to convert someone to Christ and we haven't and we can start getting down. I mentioned the example of Isaiah the prophet where God, when he was called, was like, you are going to preach and no one's going to listen to you. He literally told him that at the start of his ministry. I mean, imagine that. Imagine graduating seminary, and your whoever hands you your diploma, you know, he's like, by the way, no one in your entire life is going to believe you or listen to you. They're going to hate you. They're going to have hard hearts. I mean, man, like, I'd like, I plan to enter into ministry, and <laughs> I would be like, well then, you know, that would probably be pretty discouraging. And Isaiah had to hear that. Isaiah had was literally told, no one's going to listen to you. And so it might have been easy for him to compare himself. 
he it would have been easy for him to compare himself to the false prophets who appeared to have people listen to them. People listen to them. They It looked like there were conversions. You know, the false prophets, they had a much easier life. But the glorious truth of Matthew 9.13 is that God doesn't need people who, you know, know a lot of Bible verses or who give big tithes or who are really good public speakers. God is not interested in changing hands. He's interested in changing hearts. Jesus did not come to save the righteous, but rather sinners. That's the point of this. If you look at the context of Matthew 9, Jesus is having dinner at Matthew's house. Matthew is one of his disciples. He was a tax collector. And many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him. And the Pharisees saw this, and they're like, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? You know, these are bad people. He shouldn't be eating with them. And Jesus says, it's not the healthy who need a doctor. But the sick, he tells them, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Jesus has no need for your skills. Jesus has no need for you to, you know, he doesn't need your persuasiveness. He doesn't need any of that. He does not need these things. Jesus is focused on your heart. Jesus wants real heart change, not just good deeds when we're just going through the motions. And that's why I say this is also a challenge. This is also a challenge. The thing is, most of you who are listening to this, you know, you know all the right words. You could be, I mean, heck, I could be on the brink of despair and you wouldn't know it because I know just the words to say and just when to raise my hands in worship. And even now, I'm using rhetorical effect so that I sound more genuine as I talk. It's easy to fool even ourselves into thinking that we're okay when we really aren't. We focus on, you know, how much we're outputting, our productivity. But in order to love God and love others effectively, you must be giving up your life and your heart every day because then you will find it this theme of desiring mercy not sacrifice is repeated in matthew it's such an important theme in matthew's gospel because it is showing that god is not concerned with you know how much we know god is not concerned with our talents god wants us to use those with a heart that loves the Lord. God wants us to use those for his kingdom to know him better and to help others see God. That's what God is concerned with. God sent his son because he desires hearts, not hands. If God desired sacrifice, he would have made robots. He would have made robots that are, you know, always obeying, always doing what they need to. But it's so easy just to lose sight of that. In today's world, we have so many distractions that it's just easy to lose sight of our souls where we can just, you know, kind of zone out, not focusing on what's really going on inside. You know, going back to that example I gave of Isaiah and myself, you know, if you would just... 
if Isaiah compared himself to me, you know, he may have been like, well, dang, you know, Daniel's doing, you know, 42 hours, and I'm only doing four, you know, and he was able to convert someone I'm not. And Satan can use that to make Isaiah think that, oh, you know, you're not really godly. God doesn't love you. God's not using you. What's happening? But fortunately, Isaiah knew that his worth is in what God has done to his heart. His worth is found in God. And his success comes from knowing that he has done what God gave him to do. And that's why Isaiah wrote the third largest book in the Bible. And that's why we revere Isaiah today as a godly man, because he was faithful. Even when, you know, things looked hard. Things looked like they weren't getting done. But we know that Isaiah was working. Isaiah was laboring faithfully. And he, we know now that Isaiah is rewarded in eternity. Jesus promises reward from the highest to the lowest. Jesus offers rewards that this world could never offer. Jesus says, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. That's what Isaiah did. So that even though he went through what we would call a slow season, he was faithfully serving and God was pleased. We need to strive for not doing more, but we need to strive for loving God more. And then those fruits will come. I'm not saying that doing a lot is bad. I'm not saying that, you know, we shouldn't try to make moves for the kingdom. You know, of course we should. But those need to stem from a heart that loves God. We need to constantly be examining not our actions because often when our heart is unhealthy, it takes a little bit for our hands to catch up to that. If our heart is unhealthy, you know, we can kind of drift for a little while. You look at a car. If your car runs out of gas and you're going 80 miles per hour, you'll be going fast for a while. But slowly, you start to lose speed. You start to drift because the heart of the car, the engine, is not working anymore. It has no fuel. We need to focus there. Focus on your heart, and then these good deeds will follow. Faith without works is dead, as James says. But if we just have works, we're like these Pharisees. Get your faith right, and all these things will follow. Focus on your heart, and then you can truly love God, truly love others. To conclude, make a habit of checking your heart, not your hands. This is a blessing because even in slow seasons, we know that God is still working in our hearts. But this is also a challenge to examine your hearts, lest you be going through the motions with a shallow soul. Thanks for listening to Adopted Believers. If you're not already, I encourage you to go to our website, adoptedbelievers.com, where you can find podcasts, articles, resources, all sorts of cool stuff. You can email me questions at daniel at adoptedbelievers.com. And without further ado, I'm going to see you all next time.